Hello, I'm Paul Briley, and you're listening to Off The Comma. I'm a human who cares about supporting other humans. On this podcast, we'll explore all facets of what it means to feel stuck in life. We talk with people just like us who have found themselves sitting on a comma and not knowing where to go next. We'll unpack the experience with them, where they've been stuck, what it feels like, what they experienced, and what they learned. My goal is to inspire you by seeing yourself in others. I believe that when we feel more connected and seen, magic can happen. And we're back again with another episode and season two continues on with strength and power. So I'm really excited to have um, yet another new guest. And this week's guest, I'm excited to talk to because we've known each other in professional circles and settings for quite some time now. I'd say maybe two years or so, perhaps a little longer. But um, and we've worked together kind of in in meeting formats and so forth. But um, today I get to hear and learn a little bit more about this guest. So today I'm talking to Matt. And Matt Clark, who is based here in Sacramento, where I am. And um, you know what, Matt, I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you kind of introduce yourself to us and start, if you will, in addition to whatever else you'd like to share, start by telling us a little bit about um, how you'd like to be known. All right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. And hello, everyone. Uh, it's nice to nice to be on the podcast. Uh, I've loved this off the comma community. Uh, with how I would like to be known, I do love this question. Uh, but with this question, I feel a bit like uh, a director who's speaking to an art critic about his film um, and kind of trying to explain what his film uh, what his film is about. Uh, but even in the case of the art director, as with myself, there are themes and preferred interpretations that we can discuss. Uh, so that's what I'll attempt to give you now with my answer uh, to the question is uh, kind of themes and preferred interpretations and things like that for, for uh, a life story. Uh, I believe this is the segment where we uh, give our, our adjectives, uh, our, our kind of one or two word adjectives to describe ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do you one better on that one, Paul. Uh, so as uh, an American man, I, as we are known to do, uh, occasionally turn to Bruce Springsteen when attempting to describe myself. So for this one, I'm going to give you both an adjective and a Bruce Springsteen lyric that will kind of help to elucidate or uh, shed more light on that adjective. Nice. So I hope that's an okay uh, format of an answer here. It's your show today. All right. So the first uh, adjective I'll use is resilient. Um, and my Bruce Springsteen lyric for this one is working in the fields till you get your back burned, working beneath the wheels till you get your facts learned. Baby, I got my facts learned real good right now. And I love that quote for resilience because it acknowledges the struggle, the struggle in the fields, the struggle beneath the wheels. It acknowledges the learning that must take place. And it does it all with style and grace, which I really, uh, which I really appreciate. Um, so how that relates to my own life. Um, and the reason I brought this up first is that I think resilience in the face of uh, the commas that I have that I've experienced in my life has been uh, a large part of what uh, has defined me or what I've uh, used to define uh, myself. Uh, so resilience in the face of struggle, in the face of a comma, um, is uh, a defining characteristic of uh, my life and my my story. Uh, so that's the first adjective there. All right. And the second adjective that I'd like to use to describe myself is passionate. Uh, the Bruce Springsteen lyric that I'd like to use to elucidate this one uh, is 
Together, Wendy, we can get through the sadness. I can love you with all the madness in my soul. Uh, and I think that is a perfect description of passion. And in particular, it's a description of passion in the face of a cruel world, right? Together, Wendy, we can get through the sadness. That's a sadness we're getting through. That's an external sadness. That's a cruel world we're navigating. And in the face of that cruel world, in the face of the sadness, I'll love you with all the madness in my soul. What more perfect picture of passion mm. could we get? And I do think there is some madness in, in passion, in loving mm. something in the face of a cruel world, but it's an interesting passion. And it's, I think, one worth uh, exploring. Interesting. Okay. So that's my second adjective for the uh, next couple of words. I wanted to use action words. These aren't verbs. These are still adjectives, but they bring a lot of verbs along with them. Okay. Um, and the first one I'm going to use is adventurous. And the Bruce Springsteen lyric I have for this one is we got to get out while we're young because tramps like us, baby, we were born to run. Um, and I do think that adventurous while you're young uh, is a, a big theme of my life. I would like to keep that adventure going in my adult years. Uh, but in the face of commas, I have gone on several adventures and I would like to uh, kind of illuminate some of those adventures for you. And in particular today, I'll, I'll be discussing some of the adventures that I've gone on in the face of commas in my younger years. So uh, so that's why I chose that, that word and that particular uh, lyric from Bruce Springsteen. Um, and the final word that I have is really need some context, I'll say, um, and some setup. So I was saying that an adventurous may describe a, a younger me better than an older me. And that's because a younger me did quite a bit more travels than an older me. A younger me, I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in DC. I've lived in Kosovo. I lived in uh, the Republic of Georgia, a country in the Caucasus. I've done quite a bit of adventuring, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of settled down. Um, I'm now married. I have a home. We've got some dogs. We may be starting a family and I'm a lot more settled now than I used to be. Um, and so where a younger Matt was uh, quite adventurous, an older Matt aspires to be as adventurous as he used to be, but he's settled into more of a maker role. And so the mm. last word that I'd use to describe myself is maker. Um, I don't have a Bruce Springsteen lyric for maker, uh, but it is a word that I'd like to use to, to describe myself. So where I put a lot of energy in my younger years into travel, uh, um, and into uh, going on unique and, and exciting experiences. I put a lot of energy now into building and into making things. I uh, am a woodworker. I make furniture uh, in my free time. I've made you know nightstands. I've made a headboard. I'm currently making uh, a sit-stand desk that's an epoxy river desk. Uh, so I'm very interested in, in uh, the maker space and woodworking. I'm also very interested in cooking. I've gotten pretty creative in the kitchen. Uh, last Christmas, I got a, a stock pot and a standing mixing bowl. Um, and so now I've been making breads from scratch and I, I just made a pho broth and did a pho broth French onion soup fusion. Uh, so I've been really interested in making in the kitchen as well. And, and you know, I think um, whereas adventurous, uh, correctly described a younger me, I think uh, that is now kind of turning into maker as the, as the mm. action word that would kind of best describe an older and older me. Wow. That, that is a first, first of all, to use the words and song lyrics. So that is pretty <laughs> cool and exciting. And, and I have to say like very descriptive. And I wonder 
if storyteller also belongs in there. I mean, just how you've opened up this conversation with this narrative really kind of also tells a little bit about you. Well, thank you, Paul. I would like to fancy myself a storyteller, but uh, but I'll leave that to I'll leave that to to the people to decide. <laughs> there you go. Nice, <laughs> Matt. What else, real quick, would you um, say about yourself? Anything you'd like to say about you know what you do or anything else about your life that you'd like to share? Uh, so, for what I do, I am currently uh, kind of a data consultant. I provide training and one-on-one data coaching to school districts throughout the state of California. Um, and I have been, you know, working in state-adjacent training and consulting uh, for about five years now in the state of California. Prior to that, I was a teacher. Uh, so I was a teacher in the south side of Chicago, um, teaching uh, a class called Law and Literature. And I hope to share a little bit more about that experience a bit later nice. on. Um, and then I was a uh, teacher of English as a foreign language uh, while I served in the Peace Corps in Kosovo. Nice. Um, I then started training English teachers uh, when I served in the Peace Corps response in the Republic of Georgia um, and kind of used that teaching experience to transition into training when I came back stateside. Nice. Um, so that's kind of my professional career path or trajectory. I am going to selfishly, after we're done recording, talk to you a little bit more about your international experience. And that's because of my desire to do more traveling. So um, I'm going to leave that hanging for listeners because it's not about me today. But um, help me remember to uh, circle back with you afterwards about your experience overseas. So Nice. Well, Matt, I am excited to hear your story today. And as you know, um, and for the benefit of new listeners, you know, every uh, episode unfolds by me asking the same five questions. And we're going to get to those questions here in just a second. What I always like to start with, with my guests is to say, if you think about the conversation ahead and the story that you want to share, what would be your intention for yourself for the next handful of minutes or time that we're going to be talking? Yeah. So my intention would be to uh, tell the parts of my story that I, that I'm able to tell as authentically as possible. Um, And by doing that, I hope to create a community of belonging. And in my work, I often do presentations and trainings and things like that, where I am also looking for a community of belonging, but I'm often looking for a community of belonging for ideas or frameworks or um, job aids or, you know, certain concepts Mm -hmm. uh, in a workplace. So I'm looking for communities where those kinds of things belong. Now I'm looking for a community of belonging for my own stories, which is a unique experience for me. Uh, It's not very often that I'm asked about myself or to tell my own story. And so Mm. it's not often that I'm able to, you know, seek out a community with that story. Um, And so what I would really like to do is tell my story as authentically as possible so that it can find a community where it belongs and where it's of use and of help to other people. and maybe in that I can find some places where I belong as well. Wonderful. Belonging is is a theme that surfaces so much. You know, the more I do this podcast and the more I talk to guests as well as, you know, people that I encounter in life and, and clients and so forth, that belonging is such a strong theme. So I, I see your intention and I my intention is to create a space where you can share your story authentically and that your story reaches whomever it needs to reach. That's one of the the premises of this podcast is that not every episode is for every person, but in sharing our stories, they will land on and with the people that they need to land with. And that in hearing your story, they'll see themselves in you 
and it will help inspire people, help them feel a little bit more connected and who knows, you know, perhaps motivate them in whatever endeavor endeavor that they might've been sitting on their own combo with. So good deal. Well, let's jump in. Let's go with the first question here, Matt. And I'm really anxious to get into your story here. So where have you found yourself sitting on a comma in your life? All right. So I think my life may be correctly described as a life on the comma. Uh, but in particular, I think I go through something of a comma every couple of years in life. Uh, but I think the commas that I experienced as a young person are the ones that that uh, I want to share today because I think they're the ones that I've seen the most resolution with at this point. And so they're the mm -hmm. ones that I have the most perspective on um, and possibly may also be the most general. A lot of the things that I experienced when I was younger are things that everybody goes through at a certain mm. age, uh, whereas now they may be more unique experiences. So uh, I'm going to stick to stories from younger years. And for the first one, I'm going to start with the first comma that I ever that I ever experienced. Um, and this is the comma that happened to me right after graduating high school. In fact, I felt it as I was graduating as I was sitting there with my calf uh, uh, on my head in the, mm. in, in the graduation stands, I was feeling this comma. Uh, and it was just after high school. I don't tell this story. I don't think I've ever told this story in a professional context before, uh, but I almost did not graduate high school. I uh, had I moved around a lot when I was growing up. I think I lived in something like 10 cities and towns uh, by the time I was 18 years old. And that wow. uh, kind of surfaced a lot of social and emotional issues for me in high school that uh, manifested themselves in me skipping class often, not committing myself to work, uh, smoking too much weed, doing a lot of uh, you know bad things for, for teenagers to be doing. And it resulted in me barely graduating high school. I had just enough credits if I got a C in my civics class. And just before graduation, my civics teacher came up to me and said, you deserve a D based on the work you turned in, but I think you deserve a diploma. So I'm going to give you a C. And that's how I graduated high school. <laughs> wow. And at the moment when I was graduating, it was striking me that there is nothing planned for me after this point. Anything that is going to come up in life is something that I'm going to have to drum up for myself. How do I do that? So that is the comma that I experienced, you know, at my high school graduation or just after graduating high school. I, I was not academically motivated. Um, I did not have a good professional skill set. I did not have direction. And I, I, you know, was not sure how to live an adult life, how to drum up all that is involved in an adult life for myself uh, without a path laid out in front of me. Um. And since I was not academically successful, I didn't have college as, a, as an option at that time, or at least I didn't have a four-year university as an option at that time. Uh, but a lot of my peers at the time were, you know, going to community colleges just after, uh, just after graduating from high school and working some kind of part-time or odd jobs. So that's kind of what I started, started to do as well. I attended uh, Sierra Community College uh, just out of high school. And I, I was working at a Best Buy, kind of just doing sales, just, just trying to get by as a young person and figure out what my direction would be. Uh, but while I was at the community college, 
I came across uh, the most impactful teacher I have ever had. Uh, he's a man named Johnny Terry. He's a beautiful soul. I think he's still at Sierra College. Um, and if uh, you are attending Sierra College, I would highly recommend his courses. He is a great teacher and a great human being. Uh, but he, being a great teacher, was able to kind of unlock the passion that I was talking about before in a subject area in academics for someone who was not for someone who was not uh, passionate or engaged in academia prior to that. And, you know, I'm, I'm an 18 year old kid at this point. I've, I've, you know, uh, made a lot of mistakes. I'm, you know, somewhat skeptical of the world. And I walked into Johnny Terry's class and he was teaching uh, the introduction to modern philosophy. And he was going over Descartes' first meditation, which is uh, a very uh, influential and impactful historical text about skepticism. What does it mean to be skeptical? What does rigorous skepticism look like? What can you gain from rigorous skepticism? And that hit home for me in a, in a big way. I became passionate about learning about thinking at that point. And that, you know, that is uh, in a certain sense what philosophy is, is thinking about thinking. So I became a philosophy major from that. Um, and two years later, I uh, was admitted into UC Berkeley. So I went from a student who graduated high school because his civics teacher gave him a C instead of a D because she thought he he deserved it, even though he didn't earn it to uh, a student at UC Berkeley in two years. And that is in part due to uh, the passion I've, you know, I've been kind of getting on to. It's in part due to having a great teacher, uh, but it is also something that causes me to uh, promote community colleges to young people constantly yeah. <laughs> because it's a space where you can find your direction. Matt, I'd love to jump in on this for just a second. I know you mentioned to me before we recorded that there <clears throat> were a couple of stories that were going to come up and we were kind of kicking around the how do we go about the questions. But well, staying with this story, uh, an acknowledgement, and then I'd like to dig a little deeper here. So first of all, you know, this 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 story about a journey, right? And And I want to reflect back what you said, which was, you know, basically that when I was graduating, which even just graduating itself was questionable, but when I was graduating, this realization that there was nothing planned for me, like I didn't know what's next. And then you fast forward a couple of years, and now you're majoring in uh, philosophy. And so there's this gap between I didn't have anything planned to now I'm on this path. I'm curious about in between, like, what would you say about the transition from not knowing where you're going to getting where you're going? So a big part of the mindset, I think, is when you don't know what you're, where you're going, uh, it's very important to be open and to be open to being to being pulled in a direction that you've never anticipated before. Be open to falling in love with something you've never heard of before. Be open to ideas that seem like like only a madman would 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 say this would be true. Be open to everything. Uh, because without that openness, you're you're stuck with whatever is in your head and whatever's in your head is is, you know, uh, what what got you in the, this place in the first place or in your head plus the world, I guess. Um, and so it's really this openness uh, to uh, whatever is coming your way that, that I think is important with a mindset um, and then seeking out 
things that interest you. So I, you know, I, I studied philosophy. I'm a big believer of the existentialist idea that yeah, you discover meaning in the world and in your life through acting in the world and through uh, through creating that meaning through your actions. I do think that seeking things out um, and actively pursuing things that, are, you know, maybe maybe future passions for you or may not, those, just the action of engaging with those things will tell you a lot about yourself that you might not have known before. And some of those things might be things that you'll learn to love and will give you the direction in the future. And we see this played out by you saying you were doing your things, right? Like, okay, so I've got my job at Best Buy and I'm 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 basically living the life of a young person. And I went ahead and went to community college. So I, you know, correct me where I'm like misrepresenting or misreflecting back what I think I heard, but you know, let's let's give community college a try. Let's see what happens. That's you throwing yourself into the unknown and being open. And then you know, you didn't really tell us in detail, but you find yourself in this teacher's class, you know, that was, some would say divine or or destined, but how did you find yourself in that class? What was it that made you choose that topic? Or did you choose? Was it part of the curriculum? It was, it was the seeking out. So going into community college was an adventure, but what I was studying was also was also, you know, kind of uh, representing that seeking out. So I didn't initially have any major in mind and I wanted to explore. So I took a lot of different mm -hmm. classes in a lot of different fields. I took a lot of STEM, I took STEM classes. I took math classes. I took literature and art classes. I took philosophy classes. I took, you know, uh, fitness and, and physical activity uh, classes. I took everything that I, that I thought I might be interested in. Um, and I pursued it to, to the point where I could see whether I was interested in that or not. Um, mm -hmm. And it turned out that, I was interested in a lot of those things, but I was passionate about philosophy <laughs> at that yeah. at that time. That's cool. And what I'm taking from this for myself is in the absence of clarity or in the absence of knowing or in the absence of a specific plan, then try a bunch of things or try all the things and see what you like and allow yourself to be surprised by what you might find yourself gravitating towards. Yes, I think that's a that's a good a good summation. Paul. Nice. What was that like for you? This is this is an important question. It is question two. We'll go back and forth between question two and one as we need to in order to to unpack your stories. Um, but throwing yourself into that way of being, explore, try the things, do the things you haven't done before, and all these things that you just shared with us. What was that like for you? Uh, it was terrifying and exciting simultaneously um wow. so it's terrifying both just to acknowledge to yourself that you don't know where to go from here i think that is a terrifying acknowledgement um but then trying things especially when you're trying something that you don't like it may appear to you in that moment like you don't like this thing and you haven't found the right things to like and you're just failing right now and that's not a great feeling it feels terrifying um so mm. the experience can be uh, yeah i think you know a very nerve-wracking place to be. Uh, but I also think the excitement is there because if you don't know where you're going, 
the possibilities are endless. You could go anywhere, right? And yeah. so exploring what the what the possibilities could be is very exciting. Exploring everything in the future that that could be the case is a very exciting endeavor. So I think it's both terrifying and exciting to go through that. Um, and that terrifying it, it, excitement, I think, is responsible for the most drastic actions I've ever taken and my identity as a person. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and it seems there's that fear and then there's the adrenaline too, right? Like it's almost like the same juice can can create two different effects. <laughs> so right. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So so you've shared with us this this comma uh, and I I interjected to explore a little bit more, but okay, now you're at UC Berkeley, you're working on your major, you found this new path. Where would you take us next in your story? All right. So second comma, we got it. I'll, I'll keep the narrative going and I'll stop it when we get to the comma. So um, I did transfer into UC Berkeley. I uh, was published in their philosophy journal as an undergrad. I did experience quite a bit of success there. Um, and then I went on to graduate school um, at the University of Chicago. I ended up with a uh, master's degree in the humanities at the University of Chicago. In my graduate program, I kind of came to the realization that while this did drive me wholeheartedly for a long time, it may no longer be my calling. <laughs> I uh -huh. uh, came to realize that the things that used to be exciting and the things that used to, you know, make the hair on the back of my neck stand up just seemed mundane and ordinary now. And it didn't seem like I was really getting fulfilled by the same things anymore. Um, and so it really occurred to me in my graduate program that this is not the path for me uh, anymore. Um, mm. And I think it's an imp it's important to acknowledge that at some point, you know, uh, and I think most people do. What you study in college doesn't often end up being what you, what you do with your life. And it often is because of this realization that that's not the path for you anymore. And can, can I add to that too? Cause this, this is such a really important thing because while we're changing this, this narrative, we live in a world that's still kind of begrudgingly adheres to this, go to school, get a degree, get a job, you know, and following this linear path, you said being open to the passions may change and, and, and yet it can't be understated that the thing that you even thought was a passion can now become obsolete and no longer the thing anymore. So you went from high school, I don't know where I'm going to, oh, wipe the forehead. Now I found my thing and it's philosophy and let me go all in on it. And a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, you went all in. Look at how much you invested. You found the thing. And now you're saying, and now the thing has run its course. Time right. to find another thing. Do you know how many people would say, Fuck me. <laughs> well, I probably said that too. <laughs> <laughs> I I wish that it didn't run its course. I, I especially in that moment, I would have wished that it was still fulfilling me the way that it used to. Because in that moment, I wasn't getting that fulfillment anymore, and I was mm -hmm. I was noticing the void more than I was noticing, you know, any kind of transition. Right? It felt like this thing that has you know sustained me is no longer doing that so so what do i do now so that's the mm -hmm. second comma is after graduate school you know 
it's i guess yeah. my my the the commas i i i'm i guess i want to discuss on the the podcast today uh incidentally both happen after school uh i, yeah. I do have one later in life but if if we have time for it well let's stay with that one for a second so you know back to question two again and and so what did that create for you to sit on this comma now yeah. So after graduate school, I graduated from the University of Chicago with a degree in the humanities and knew that I did not want to uh, be in academia any longer. This was in 2011. It wasn't the heart of the financial crisis, but the financial crisis was still very much a thing. Uh, it was mm -hmm. uh, it was a market presence in the, at that time. Um, and in particular, it really influenced hiring decisions uh, for, uh, you know, uh, folks who are looking for opportunities fresh out of graduate mm -hmm. school. And it, it did limit those opportunities in my case, I think. So I was required to get crafty and get creative. And I did a lot of the same things that I did when I graduated high school. I started pursuing things that I thought might interest me. And I also needed to survive at this point. I was living in Chicago and I needed, I needed, you know, uh, an apartment, I needed food, I needed to survive. And so I did it this time by taking uh, a bunch of odd jobs and figuring out what kind of jobs I liked to work. And uh, a pretty serendipitous story. Uh, so I was living in Logan Square, which is uh, uh, an area in Chicago. Um, and I had a friend who was in the same graduate program that I was. And he was teaching at a, at a legal-themed charter school in the south side of Chicago. Um, and he uh, knew that I was, you know, knew that I was looking for work, knew that I was kind of in the market for some odd jobs. And so he let me know that the alarm system at the school uh, has, uh, there are some technical issues. The alarm system cannot be enabled, but it's in the south side of Chicago and we need to make sure the property is safe. Would you be willing to work as a human alarm system as an odd job overnight at this school in the south side of Chicago? I didn't think this was going to lead to any kind of passion project or any kind of career, but I needed to get by, you know, and and it was, you know, it offered me access to a facility, uh, a, you know, a school facility at night so I could do things like print resumes and, and uh, you know, pursue other things. Mm. Um, and it offered me some income. So, so who was I to turn that down? And so I took the I took the odd job as a human alarm system at a legal themed charter school in the south side of Chicago. Obviously, alarms get fixed, right? This is a this is a short term assignment. I think I did this for about three weeks. Uh, but as as I was doing that, I got to know folks uh, at the school. So I would be leaving, and they would be coming in for the day as I was leaving for the morning. And I would get into conversation with you know different folks at the school, and they came to learn that you know I had just graduated from the University of Chicago. I have this academic experience. They thought I was a pretty smart guy, and they had some uh, they had some resource needs. In particular, they had some staffing needs uh, that I may have been able to to help out with. And so they asked me if I wanted to be a day to day substitute teacher at the school. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a while, and they liked they liked how I was doing there. So they asked me if I wanted to become a permanent substitute, and then eventually asked me if I wanted my own course. And so. Uh, I ended up becoming a teacher and getting involved in uh, K through 12 education in the South side of Chicago and getting involved in public service and things like that. Uh, really, again, from seeking things out, being open, accepting anything that comes my way and, and pursuing the things that stick. Um, yeah. And it, it put me in the education space, which I'm, I'm thankful to this day that I ended up in. 
I love how this reinforces the themes that you were sharing earlier. And I want to acknowledge something that you shared, but put a really big highlight on it is you were looking for income. Here's an odd job. You know what? My theme is kind of like go places that I'm not familiar with and just do the things, be open to new things. But there was also something in there that was important that you didn't really expand on, but it sounds like it wasn't just that I could get that job and make some money. Look at these other things that I can get out of it. Here's other ways this job can serve me, the printing, the having access to resources and so forth. And I think that's so important that we allow ourselves to be open to those kinds of things because a lot of times when we're stuck and we're looking for options, we're looking for that option that kind of checks all the boxes in a predefined way. And yet here you are saying, I never would have gone out looking for this job. And yes, that's going to get me the one thing, money. But, you know, now that I think about it, this will also allow me to do debt. And so that's just like a whole other part of exactly what you're sharing here, which is be open to things that you don't know and also be looking for other ways and other needs that it can meet you. Yeah, you got to be scrappy out there, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. Nice. I so enjoy the the stories. So you said you have one more comma you'd like to share. Is this the time to share it? Yeah, sure. So uh, I can kind of continue the story and then get and arrive at the last comma that I'll discuss uh, here. If you if I've got the time for it, yeah, go for it. And then uh, and then we'll move into the last couple of questions and we'll we'll kind of respond to those collectively. You know, from from the full story. All right. So uh, I worked on the. I worked as a teacher in Chicago for uh, a little over two years, um, and towards the end of that experience, I was feeling uh, a little stagnant. I was feeling like I have. I'd redesigned the curriculum for this course a couple times now. I've gone through various iterations with you know various student groups. I've kind of developed as much as I can develop doing this one thing. And the salary ceiling and the education space can also be quite low in certain circumstances. So that was in my mind as well. Um, Got to got to make a living, Paul. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, so I was really uh, kind of feeling I was anticipating a comma at this point. I was feeling stuck and I was looking for a way to, to move forward from there. But I didn't actually get the full brunt of that comma because a a recruiter for the Peace Corps came to our school and uh, spoke with me and got me on board. Uh, So I knew I wanted public service. I knew I wanted adventure. I had a quote in my mind at the time that I learned or that I joined the Peace Corps from a friend that I really believed at that time. I'm not sure that I still do, but I do think there's something to it, which was the measure of a man is the distance he's gone from where he started. And I was taking that as physical distance. I was like, I want to show the world that I can go as far as anyone. (laughs) I'm going to leave the country and live there. Mm. Right. So I had those kinds of thoughts in my head, along with these professional thoughts. And the Peace Corps spoke to all of it. This Peace Corps gave me the opportunity to live an adventure, develop myself professionally, be a part of a cohort of individuals and, you know, finding a sense of belonging. We've talked about that already. That's important to me as well. And it provided me all of these things that I was looking for. So that wasn't a comma because because I was able to kind of anticipate this coming and I was I met with somebody from the Peace Corps beforehand. But that's where the story goes next is uh, I served in the Peace Corps in Kosovo. 
Um, and then uh, in the Republic of Georgia as a Peace Corps response volunteer. Uh, I would also, in addition to community colleges, highly recommend the Peace Corps to any young person. It is a great experience. Uh, it's a very challenging experience, maybe the, the most mm. challenging you'll go through, maybe not, but it is very rewarding either way. Um, so I did uh, the Peace Corps and kind of got, uh, got more teaching and, and training under my belt. At the end of the at the end of my Peace Corps experience, I am I'm in another country. I'm in Georgia. Um, I'm looking. I've, I'm seeing. I got about three months before I come back to the states, and I don't have anything lined up yet. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to come back to do. <laughs> I do not want to come back, and uh, you know, uh, I do not want to come back and and you know move in with family while I figure it out. I don't I want to come back strong. I want to hit the ground running with my uh with my time back. But I still didn't know what I wanted to do professionally. I had just done a lot of teaching. I felt like I was kind of uh ready to step out of the classroom a bit. I had done some training, but it that wasn't really at the forefront at that time. But at this time, uh in current events, there was an election going on. This was 2020. Um, and that election was very motivating to me. Uh, it was very shocking at first and then very motivating. Um, and it made me politically motivated. And so I took another shot in the dark. I did another, uh, I, I, I uh, took another chance at pursuing something that I wasn't sure whether it was the right thing for me or not. Uh, but I ended up, uh, when I came back from the Peace Corps, I ended up uh, interning for Kamala Harris uh, in the Senate in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Um, so for then Senator Kamala Harris, current Vice President Kamala Harris. Um, and that was not a comma. That was an amazing experience. <laughs> um, uh, that was an amazing experience that um, I think I'll take with me for the rest of my life. I met some of the most amazing people and 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 really learned uh, quite a bit about uh, the nation and 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 political society in general. Uh, but I do think the the there was a, a big comma there between the Peace Corps and Kamala Harris, where I was very much unsure of what to do when I got back to the states. I didn't feel like anything that I was currently doing was what I wanted to continue to do. Um, but I knew I wanted mm -hmm. to hit the ground running. I knew I wanted to work and do something impactful when I came back. So, so how did you go from not knowing once again, not knowing what's next, kind of that lack of clarity, not being able to see around the corners to then interning with Kamala Harris? So how does one get from point A to point B in your story? Here? Well, when you don't know, you try, right? <laughs> uh, so I didn't know what direction I needed to go in. So I was trying a bunch of different directions. So I... Uh, at this point in my life, you know, I've I've been a professional. I'm very good with you know professional communication. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm good with people. I'm I'm training a lot. I'm you know I'm comfortable public speaking. All, all those kinds of things are true. So what I did with that skill set was I did informational interviews, which is where you just take someone who has a career that you think you may be interested in, and you ask them for 30 minutes of their time and ask them questions about their career path and their career. Um, and from that, you learn a lot about uh, people, but you learn a lot about the different career paths that are out there for people your age and different things that come of actions that you can take now. And in doing these informational interviews, I ended up interviewing someone who worked in the Obama White House, um, and they were describing their career path in a way that really, really resonated 
with me at that time, it felt like it was exactly uh, the kind of impact that I was wanting to have in the world. And so I didn't just end it at that interview. I kept that relationship going. I asked that I asked uh, her if she had any contacts that I could speak to and reached out to them. And I really uh, kind of was networking all around Capitol Hill in Washington, DC for, you know, about three months um, and, and mm-hmm. applying for, I applied for, I think, 60, 60 or 70 uh, different wow. positions uh, on Capitol Hill and in uh, and Matt, politics. it sounds like it sounds like in this journey, in this part of your journey and throughout the theme that I'm seeing is that it wasn't that you had a plan or that you were looking for the job. You were exploring things that you like and things that interested you. Yes, I think that's correct. And I think that is an advantage that I have in in my narrative is that I I I did not know the plan ahead of time. I wasn't 18 with a plan laid out ahead of me that I was kind of carrying carrying through. Um, I wasn't. My parents never pushed me to be uh, a specific job or or uh, have a specific kind of lifestyle. They always pushed me to be happy, um, and mm. I never had any kind of a, a road laid out ahead of me externally. I've always had to make that road. And whenever I didn't know where it led, I would try everything that I could and I would seek out everything that I could. And then the things that stuck were the things that I were, was passionate about were the things that I should involve myself in. Um, mm. I don't know. Have you heard the, I, I feel like I'm all over the place with quotes and lyrics today, but there's a quote that's, uh, uh, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Mm. Um, so that's what I, that's, that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is look out, look for the things that make me come alive and do those things. Yeah. So Matt, if we look back over, you know, all of these really rich uh, experiences that you've shared with us, these great examples, three really good examples of of sitting on a comma and kind of the journey on it and through it and from it, what would you say you've learned about yourself as a result of sitting on these commas? Uh, I've learned who I am as a result of sitting on these commas, I think. Um, so a lot of these experiences that I've talked about, you know, uh, going from barely graduating high school to UC Berkeley, getting out of graduate school with the realization that I, uh, am unpassionate and unskilled and need a direction, uh, getting out of the Peace Corps and realizing I, I need a professional roadway. Um, all of these experiences have really been identifying experiences for me. They have told me who I am mm. in going through them. Um, and so what I've, what I've learned is, is who I am, uh, through the struggles that, that I experience and through the way that I meet those struggles. Um, well, and it, it also seems like it's disproven some things that you, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, but what's coming up for me is that it also disproved things that you once believed about yourself or thought defined who you were because you said um that I, I can't remember exactly what it was you said or how you said it but it was like when you came out of high school it was uh, I don't have any passion and interests passions and interests and yet you've clearly proven that you have a great many of them and then when you were coming out of the one role you said well you know I needed to have a, a professional career path and yet you've kind of proven that you've needed to have many professional career paths right so it, i mean right. it, it continues to reinforce exactly what you're saying which is you know learning who you are 
Yeah, I think that's true. So I know I quoted Bruce Springsteen at the beginning of the top, but Bob Dylan is really my favorite uh, music artist. And one of the reasons is that he goes through different epochs, epochs in his life, mm-hmm. right? 60s Bob Dylan is folky. He's, you know, singing, he's singing political songs to, to a crowd that's, you know, laying in the grass, right? Uh, then we turn into, you know, late 60s, early 70s Bob Dylan. We're, we're rock and roll. We've got electric guitars. We're kicking out the jams. You know, we're... Uh, uh, we're loud. We're live. We're we're big noise in your face. You know, move on from that. Eventually, we get religious iterations of Bob Dylan. We get divorced iterations of Bob Dylan. We see him mm. as so many different people in all the different epochs of Bob Dylan's life. And I've been, you know, aware of that narrative around this artist the whole time I've been alive as well. So I, I think that you know I've modeled that myself in some ways where I view my life in certain epics, epochs. And sometimes the world is sending me signals that this epoch is closing. There's a new one coming up and you don't know anything about it yet, but, but, you know, keep seeking out. (laughs) Yeah. Each or chapters is yet another way to describe it. Right. And like the chapters are all linked, but each chapter is very different. Right. Um, And yet you carry something forward from each chapter into the new one. Right. But I think it goes, it goes, uh, it goes with the adventurous versus maker thing. Right. So that's in my, we've talked about my professional life a bit, but in my personal life, I used to really identify with my travels, with my adventures, with all of the different crazy experiences that I have been on. That was where I got a lot of my identity, but I don't really do those things as avidly Mm -hmm. anymore. I have a lot more to lose now. I can't just pick up and go to Eastern Europe when I want to. I can't just, you know, I've got a lot. I've yeah. got a lot going on. I can't be that person anymore. So, so I'm. I have to pivot. And what what makes me come alive now with the person that I am? And it turns out that it's making things. It turns out that it's it's woodworking. It's the kitchen. It's 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 creating things that 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 didn't exist before. And yet, and yet, isn't it all still? travel and adventures in one form or another. And in, isn't it all still reinforcing the quote that you shared earlier, which is the measure of Matt being how far you've come, even being a maker and making bread and 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 doing crafts around the house and making furniture and tables is still yet another destination and yet more miles on the trip. Absolutely. And I hope not the final, you know, the final iteration. I want, I want there to be future Matts that have learned from this one. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. What Matt, two questions. Um, first, you use a lot of quotes um, in your storytelling, and they, they seem to very much inspire you. What is the significance of sharing the quotes of others in, in your storytelling? I think it's the community and the belonging thing, right? So it's it's you know one of the same reasons that I that I really value your podcast is is I get to see myself in in others, right? I get I get to to the sense that I have a community in the way that I'm feeling and the things that I've been through uh, by listening to your podcast. And when I listen to you know really you know profound quotes or lyrics or or things that you know people from history have said that really resonate with me i feel the same way i feel like oh i just found community for this feeling that i that i thought i was alone with or i just found community for this thought that i thought was so obscure and could only be mm. thought by someone in my circumstance <laughs> right i i found i find a community in you know historical figures and music artists yeah. and in in folks that put out you know 
yeah. put language into the world. And when I find that community, it really sticks with me. I, I feel I feel like I I want to live in in a way that I represent those communities. I love that, it, and it resonates with me because it, I, in a small way, one small example is every time I take another type of personality assessment or whatever you want to call it. And I know you're familiar with these and the work that you do, but you know whether it's Myers Briggs or whether it's the Enneagram, or I've recently discovered um, human design and and then there's countless other ones and I've kept track of all of them. I have, I keep all of the notes on all of those. I have a little summary sheet where each time I find one, it's like, oh, there's a whole nother group of people that I've connected with based on these similar traits and qualities and so forth. And, and then the next one comes along and it kind of pulls me with it, but they're all there. They're all part of the story, exactly as you were sharing earlier. Absolutely. Next question. Um, and and briefly, if you will, you know, because you've really already shared some of this with us, but I'd love for you to be able to add whatever else maybe you haven't covered. What's changed for you as a result of sitting on these commas? Uh, okay. What's changed for me as a result of... I So I, I don't want to go back to the identity thing because I said that with learning. So what's changed for me? I think... Uh, after each of these commas and after having acted in response to them, so after they resolve, I guess, I feel like I can be of more service to the world for having done that. I feel like I can I can bring something to people that is a way to navigate a struggle or a way to empathize with the struggle. Uh, I can I can bring you know uh, a lot to the table that it because I've gone through these experiences and because I, you know, I would like to think that I'm resilient in them, but I, maybe I'm not, it might not be the resilience. Uh, but I would like to think that because I've gone through these struggles and I've uh, overcome a lot of them and they've taken me into interesting directions that sharing those stories is, is a good service to, mm -hmm. to the communities that, that it resonates with. It sounds like the passionate teacher within you. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think so. Last of the five questions is um what does getting off the comma look like for you? Adventure. I think getting off the comma looks like looks like experimentation. It, it's it's messy and it's dirty and it's trying as many things as you can. Some of them won't make any sense at all when you're in the when you're in that context. Some of them will uh be great. Some of them may give you your future, but it's really just seeking out anything that you think might interest you. And that is really exciting. Um, and so I think getting off the comma to me looks like an exciting adventure. Uh, but when you're in the moment, it looks like uh, a terrifying excitement. <laughs> nice. And, but I think there's what's important there is is reminding folks that just because it looks scary right now or because it's messy or because it feels and so often people describe it feels confusing or or bad or horrible or terrifying or whatever it's like even if you're in that place it can be a sign of exactly what's happening is what needs to be happening because the adventure is happening in that right now and right. the outcome is yet to be determined and it's all the more valuable because you had to overcome that terror mm. or that fear, all that to get there. Nice. Nice. Matt, what would you acknowledge yourself for having shared this and these stories with us? Uh, what would I acknowledge myself for? I think I would acknowledge myself uh, today for, I hope, 
satisfying the intention. I do think that I I authentically told my story. Uh, it was as authentic as possible. It was probably a messier narrative for it. Uh, you know, I, I I didn't have a clear framework and structure for this thing, so it was probably messier for for being authentic. But I do think that I authentically told my story. So I'd like to acknowledge mm-hmm. that, and I hope that 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 means it'll find some community. Going back to the uh, the the passion quote from from Bruce Springsteen, the together Mary, we can get through the sadness. I, I'll love you with all the madness in my soul. I would like to to acknowledge myself for that kind of passion. Uh, I would like to acknowledge myself for being able to love something wholeheartedly, be passionate and invested 100% in something in the face of a cruel world. And I think that that is something that's worth celebrating. Mm. Yeah, I will acknowledge you for that too. And, you know, these stories, when we show up, we can have an intention, but the stories do tell themselves and they unfold how they unfold. And, you know, in in some podcasts, you know, they might edit it out and clean it up and try to make it look more polished and professional. But I don't do that because this is life, right? This is your story. It's not to be altered. And it's the authenticity of the story. And so I so appreciate, you know, being able to kind of let it unfold and share it and, and you yourself said that part of getting off the comma is doing things and letting them be messy. And your journey is your journey, right? It's like, and yet here you are. So I just want to acknowledge you for that as well. Matt, where can people find you? We're going to have the details in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about where people could find you if they wanted to contact you or reach out to you. All right. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you search for Matthew Clark, uh, I know it's a very common name, uh, but you should be able to find me with my connection to a one Paul Bridley. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn by searching for uh, Matthew Clark. I am also uh, the director of marketing and communications in 2024 for ATD Sacramento. So you can look at, look for me on the ATD Sacramento website at uh, tdsac.org. Um, I was previously the president of, of ATD Sacramento, but I have handed the reins over to Jen Anderson, and I am very excited to see what Jen has in store for us this year. Nice. Uh, nice. So those are a couple of places you can find uh, you can find me. Great. And one other thing before we wrap up, Matt, is because I believe it's an important part of your story and it's certainly an important part of the platform that I'm creating. And I call this acknowledgments because, you know, when we we look at this space and telling stories and, and inspiring people, the other thing that I invite all guests to do is to think about people, creators, organizations, or causes that are important to you and give you an opportunity to boost them and give them a little bit of a voice. So I'll put the details in the show notes with links, but who would you like to acknowledge today? All right. Well, just piggybacking on my comma stories, the first thing I, or the first uh, organization I would like to acknowledge is Sierra Community College, but I do not want to want to make this strictly a Sierra Community College all community colleges, but in particular, Sierra Community College, are fantastic resources for young people to get off the comma. If you are, you know, 18 or 19 and feel the same, similar to some of the experiences I've been sharing, community colleges are great ways to explore and find out what makes you come alive so that you can go do that. Um, nice. So community colleges for sure. And Sierra Community College was my uh, was my particular uh, shining star in my young life. Uh, next is the U.S. Peace Corps. So I, I think I've I've shouted both of these out already. But the uh, 
The United States Peace Corps is another great experience for young people. It offers uh, it offers uh, developing your professional skill set with things like teaching and training. It offers adventure and travel, but I think most importantly, it offers culture cultural exposure, and you get exposed to ways of life that uh, you would never be able to uh, experience without that. You're in you're in host families that may not may or may not speak English, in villages that may or may not speak English, and you are full immersed in a culture and that's a, a, a rare experience and, and can be a difficult mm. experience to 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 have but it is a very valuable uh very valuable experience in, in an overall life so uh sierra community college the u.s peace corps and then finally atd sacramento uh, i shouted them out in my where to find me as well uh, but atd sacramento or the association for talent developments sacramento chapter uh to be more formal about things. Uh, it's a nonprofit with the mission of developing uh, the skills and networking of professionals in the learning and development and organizational development spaces. And I have found quite a quite a professional community there, as well as uh, a million ways to to develop my skill set and and be the best nice. uh, be the best uh, trainer and consultant that I can be. Uh, so and you can find them again at uh, tdsac.org. Matt, thank you so much for sharing with us today and joining our community of people who show up and bravely like put it all out there and and show us what sitting on a comma and getting off the comma looks like. So I'm looking forward to more conversations and again, working with you in the year ahead. And um, thank you for being part of the show again today. Thank you. I would like to acknowledge you, Paul, for the amazing concept of Off the Comma and the amazing community that you put together with this podcast. It is uh, a pleasure to listen um, and a pleasure to be a part of the community. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you so much. Like you said, it's um, I'm doing work that is meant to support other people. So it's not it's 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 definitely a calling. But thank you again. Have a great rest of your week. All right. You as well. What an honor it is to witness these stories from these amazing human beings, and today's guest was no exception. I invite you to think about what you learned from this conversation. What stood out for you? What challenged you? What inspired you? And I encourage you to write it down in some form of journaling and reflection. I can't tell you how magical it can be to set aside your expectations and just let your thoughts flow out of your head and onto paper. You don't have to have an agenda. You don't have to do anything with it, but you can be amazed at what comes out of your thoughts and onto paper and what that can do for you. I know freestyle journaling has been a powerful practice in my life for a very long time. You just never know what you might discover about yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of Off The Comma. Follow me on social media at Off The Comma and also look for upcoming workshops and events at offthecomma.com or better yet, go to offthecomma.com and sign up for my mailing list and let me bring the news directly to you. I am passionate about keeping this podcast ad free so that we create a safe container for people to be able to tell their stories uninterrupted by commercials and promotions. I currently cover all the production costs and I'm happy to continue doing so. And I'm also open to and appreciative of any donations that anyone would like to contribute. This is nothing more than to be able to support the podcast and cover some of the monthly editing and producing and equipment costs 
that are associated with this podcast. So look for the donations link in the podcast descriptions wherever you find this podcast. Be sure to like this episode, follow the podcast, and more importantly, spread the good word. If you were moved by today's conversation, pass it along to someone you care about. As always, keep noticing.